Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Well, good morning. We are glad that you're here this morning. Um, I know Larry has already made some announcements about Vacation Bible School, and I do want to encourage you as well to make sure you bring your kids, your grandkids, uh, your neighbor kids. And if you have some time this week, also just um, volunteer to help out. So some um, good things. When I get a uh, text from our children's minister that starts with, we've got a problem. And then follows through with, but it's a good problem when we have so many more kids than what were anticipated. That is a good problem. So I want to encourage you to help out. Also want to let you know, two weeks from today, Sunday, June 25th, we will be having our annual congregational meeting. That is going to be again this year at 9 a.m. We're going to uh, begin with breakfast at 9 a.m. and have some time together of just fellowship and then we'll have our congregational meeting and then we'll begin to make our way into our worship time. So please make note of that and plan on coming and um, spending some time together as a church family. Last week we talked about that passage in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 where there is no vision people will perish. In many ways, that is what the people of God were at in the days of Nehemiah. The Jewish people, they had been spending a lot of time trying to rebuild the temple. They were trying to also rebuild their relationship with God, but the problem was they just didn't know how. There wasn't a leader. There wasn't someone to give them vision someone to give them help. And they also had another problem. It was a big problem in that day and age. The city gates and the city walls that protected them and gave them the defense that they need was in complete disarray. And they were so focused on rebuilding the temple that they were neglecting the thing that they needed to start with, that wall that surrounded them. Now, don't get me wrong. Restoring their relationship with God was the most important thing, but they had no idea how to go about doing that. I kind of think that for generations, that's what the church has been up against for so long. They listen to the newest podcast or they read the newest book or they go to a convention and they try the newest thing and over and over and over again, all they're doing is grasping at something, but it's because they have no overarching vision of what they are called to do. It doesn't work when we change our vision and our method over and over again when there's no goal in mind of what we're called to do. Joe Ellis, a writer, said it this way many years ago. He said, a church must be driven by the conviction that God has a great purpose to achieve through it. 
Could I put that a little more specifically? I believe Faith Christian Church needs to have a conviction that God can do something great through us. We've got to decide in that. And we've got to stand up for that. George Barna, about 20 years ago, wrote these words, that growing churches all have a clear, articulate, and widespread ownership of God's vision for ministry. And then he says, but failing churches, they do not. That is why we often talk around here about what our vision is. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what we're called to do in each and every aspect. We need to help people find and follow Jesus. But I think we also have to recognize that each and every one of us has a piece of that work to do. No matter who we are or what we do, we all have gifts and abilities and opportunities to help people find and follow Jesus. You have the opportunity to reach people that I may never have the opportunity to reach. You have the talents and the abilities to talk to people about things that I may never have. We have to work corporately together on a cause that is bigger than ourselves and bigger than anything that we think we can do because that's what God has directed us to do. And I believe that is where the reality of today and the reality of some 4,000 years ago in Nehemiah's day intersect together. You see, before Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, the people were just running around trying everything they possibly could. They had no vision. They had no insight. They had no direction. But God placed a burden on Nehemiah's heart, and that was for him to bring restoration to God's people in Jerusalem. Last week, we talked about the leadership lesson that we learned from Nehemiah in those beginning chapters that we have to go to God to seek our vision. And we do have to connect with God in everything that we do. Let's begin to look at what Nehemiah does after he has gone to God and sought God's vision. Turn with me in the book of Nehemiah to the second chapter. We're going to begin in verse 11. It's going to be up on the screen. Listen to what the writer writes. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung well, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up into the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back, and I re-entered through the valley gate. 
The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because of yet I had not said I had said nothing to the Jews, nor the priests, nor the nobles or officials of any other who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem, it lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. But Sambalot the Horite and Tobiah the Amorite, officials of Geshem the Arab, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We are his servants. We will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Nehemiah understood the true leadership was the ability to influence people. And he understood that to influence people, he had to help them be ready to be influenced. The text tells us very little about Nehemiah's travel. It doesn't tell us about any passage through different cities and providences that he had to provide the papers with that we read about last week. But it does tell us that when he gets to Jerusalem, he rested for three days. And then he began the work that God had called him to do. But understand, I think Nehemiah taught us some things in this passage that we have to grasp hold of still today. The first is this. Nehemiah waited for the right time. Notice as he began in this passage that he went out at night to examine the walls. A moonlit night, he didn't want people to know why he was there, he just wanted to go out, and he wanted to frame his plan in his mind. And he wanted to make sure that what God was giving him was something that he could give to the people. Nehemiah waited until he was sure of the plan before he shared his plan with the others. He knew that there were going to be questions that were going to be asked. And he had to know what the answers to those questions were. He knew that there were going to be details that he was going to have to express to them, and he wanted to make sure that he knew all of the details. The text tells us that only a few men went with him in just one mount, most likely a donkey that he was riding on. He did it to cut down the noise, and he did it so that he could honestly look at the walls and have an honest assessment of what was going on. You know, oftentimes when we come into an opportunity and when we begin to look around, the noise of all of the stuff around us fills our hearts and minds. Nehemiah knew that he had to have an honest assessment before he could proceed. I think there's a leadership principle in this. 
And that is, in leadership, it's imperative that we reveal the plans at the right time and in the right way. Oftentimes, we just kind of spout it out with no vision and no plan. Oftentimes, we have this mindset, well, we'll just figure it out as we go along. I don't think that's leadership. I think that's reaction. Leadership is finding a plan and developing a plan and influencing the people to follow the plan. Because the sec second thing that I think Nehemiah teaches us is that he teaches us that he visualized the situation. Leadership assesses the situations and responds in a proactive manner. Nehemiah had to see for himself the condition of the walls and the condition of the gates. He went around and he looked at what was needed for the walls and the gates. Now, he talked about a couple of the gates in this text. I think these are interesting. Again, kind of my nerdy things. He talks about the dung gate. You all know what the dung gate is? It's where you take out the trash. It's exactly what it was. It led it out to the trash heap. Now, it's imperative that that gate be strong and secure because what happens in the trash heap? You throw things out, and then the critters come, and you don't want them to come back in. He also talked about the fountain gate. Again, a pretty important gate, because you know what was outside the fountain gate? Their means of water, their source of life, in that important water was right there. It's where the springs brought the fresh water and brought everything that it needed. Again, it was important that that gate be protected so that they could get to what they needed at all times. Nehemiah also needed to see what this plan was really going to entail. And he found that it was much bigger than what he really thought. It wasn't just a gate that needed repaired. It wasn't just a wall that had areas that needed repair. It was an area of a wall that was in such disarray that he couldn't even inspect it. And therefore, he was forced to change part of the plan. Leadership also teaches us that we have to assess the situation and always respond in a proactive manner. That's what Nehemiah was doing as he was out there riding around on his donkey, looking at the gates, looking at the wall. He was assessing the situation, and he was making a plan. But then he came back into the city. And at that moment, he realized that he had to communicate his vision. He communicated his vision to the people. And I love what he said to them. As he comes back in, he says, let's rebuild this wall. Let's rebuild the gates. He wanted to improve the physical condition. He wanted to improve the morale, but I also think he wanted to improve the spiritual condition. 
Because when people saw that good things were happening, people were ready to have better relationships. And he tells the people in his plan in verse 18 that the plan began with God, and it came to Nehemiah, and it reached the king, and now it arrives with the people. And I love their response. They said, let's do it. In fact, if you read it in the Hebrew, the King James Version gives us the best translation. The King James Version says it this way, let us rise up and build. I love that imagery of a church rising up together as one to accomplish the mission that God has given them. My friends, that's the greatest thing that we can do. You know, we have been through several years of very hard times. Of course, across the world, these last four years or so, as COVID has ravaged the world, as COVID has ravaged the church, I talk to preacher friends, and I hear stories, and I read, churches are trying to figure out how to do church again. We're trying to figure out when people aren't coming back to church and those kind of things. I think Nehemiah teaches us we need to have a clear vision and we need to, as one, fulfill that vision and help people find and follow Jesus. It is different today. We have different technology. We have people worshiping with us from across the state and across the United States today. There will be people watching us in Alaska later this afternoon, won't there be, that still are a part of our church. There are people all across this nation that are watching us online today. We are one to help people find and follow Jesus. What a unique time that Faith Christian Church can have a unique impact around us today, not just here in Tuscarawas County. When God gives us a vision, and when we follow his vision, we need to remember that God will always provide our needs, and he will also help provide our motivation. If we just ask him, to help provide that motivation. But just like what would happen today, we saw it in the text, didn't we? The last couple verses, and it's what Nehemiah throughout the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the book of Nehemiah is going to face. He is going to face opposition after opposition after opposition. People are going to try to get in God's way. We still see it today. People try to get in the way of God, doing what God asks. Nehemiah clearly communicated a plan that we've got to rebuild the walls, that we've got to rebuild the, the gates. But we meet these three people, Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem. And what did they do? They grumbled, they complained, they ridiculed. In reality, I think what they really were trying to do is, they were trying to say, well, we've been here 
We've been working on this. We should be the ones getting the credit for this. But Nehemiah once again reminded them that this is not his plan and it's not their plan, it's God's plan. And if it's God's plan, he is the one that needs to get the credit. Today, my friends, we need leaders. We need people of God that are going to put God in the forefront of their lives. We need people who are going to listen to God and obediently follow God. Just like I did last week, I want to give you one tip. It's the one tip that I want you to remember this week, and I want you to put into practice this week. It's the greatest thing that we can do as God's people. We can seek God's vision, and then we must follow obediently. Church, that's what God asks of us. God doesn't ask us to come up with all the greatest plans. He doesn't ask us to have all the answers. God simply says, just be obedient to me and follow. Some of our plans will work. Some of our plans will fail. We'll learn from our failures. We'll grow from the successes. But together, we will do what God asks us to do to help people around this community, around this area, around this world, find Jesus and then help them to follow Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you have made a vision clear for Faith Christian Church, that it's time for us to help people find and follow Jesus. Lord, I ask that we can be a people that are obedient to you in that search. Father, I know that it's easy to get stuck in the weeds of how and what are we going to do if this happens or what are we going to do if this happens. You know what, God? You will help us. What we're called to do is just be obedient to you. Help people see you and follow you. Father, I pray that as we continue this time of worship and we come around your table, that we will recognize that you already won the war. You gave the best in your one and only Son. We give you praise and honor for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to ask our servers to go ahead and begin to pass communion. You know, as I said a moment ago, the greatest gift that God has given us is his son, Jesus. And it's in these moments each and every week that we recognize that how we follow Jesus is by connecting with Jesus. You know, I was sitting in a service Friday afternoon and they were having communion during this service. And I thought to myself, sometimes we just go through the motions of communion. Oh, we take the bread and we take the cup and we drink it and we just go through it. But the reality is, we have to recognize 
what this represents. This represents the broken body of Jesus who died for us. And it represents the shed blood of the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. So I want to challenge you today as you take these emblems, as you look at them, as you break that bread, you will recognize the gift that God gave you, the broken body of Jesus Christ. And as you look at that cup, you will recognize that this represents the blood of the new covenant poured out for many. As Jesus said on that day when he initiated this with his disciples, as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, do this in remembrance of me.